Many people have problems with art and not with reality. So what is art different? It's pretty simple, right? This is knowledge, this is thinking, this is thought. Yeah, it does something strange with your head. Welcome to the Undergang Armchair. Bring it. Yeah, welcome to episode 62 of the Undergang Armchair podcast. My name is Ondo. We are back. It's been a long time. Summer did indeed seize us. You know, we live in Europe, and uh, in Europe, not like the U.S., you actually take summer vacation. It kind of blows my mind every year. The city of Copenhagen just empties the hell out for about a month and a half. There's no art. Nobody answers the phone. Everyone just beats it to the countryside, and that's it. Just nothing happens. My job closes for three weeks. It's it's kind of insane. I imagine the U.S. was like that once, but uh, as far as I know, it ain't like that anymore. So anyways, as a dutiful European, I went out, explored other rainy countries, engaged in an art project, all that sort of stuff one does when you're not you know working. So what that all comes down to is now that the city is waking up again. So what that means is basically every art gallery in the entire city has an opening this week. So if you want my picks for the week, Ryan Gander's opening at David Risley Gallery. I've seen some of the work that should be really interesting. Rosa Eakin is presenting her pretty insane ceramic installation works at V1. Definitely go check that out. And then uh, Tols Wurzel, who is a, uh, a Dane living abroad, is showing at Suzanne Audison. He's also a really interesting artist. And then the week after that, we have the third annual Chart Art Fair here in Copenhagen which should also be interesting. It is once again at Charlottenburg. I will definitely be wandering around looking creepy with microphones. So what other business do we have? Uh, thank you to all you guys who wrote reviews and, and, and gave us stars on iTunes. That helps a lot. In fact, I've heard that's one of the most important factors for iTunes showing the podcast on the pages for people who are searching for arts, for example. So, Thank you so much for doing that. Anybody else who wants to help the cause, just click on some stars, write a review. You can be honest. Give us as many stars as you want. So I'm really excited about today's guests. We have Vinyl, Terror, and Horror. How rad is that name on today? It's two Danish women, and they're out there making some of the craziest, most interesting installation and sound work. And uh, mark my words, they're going to get bigger and bigger as time goes on. It's a bit futile for me to try to explain what they do to describe it. So if you're not familiar with the work, actually, you should probably just go ahead and hit pause and check out their page on undergang.net, and you'll understand the context way better of what, what we're talking about. And I figure, isn't that enough of an intro? The fact that I can't even describe how rad their installations are, it's the best. They're the best. So anyways, check it out. Come back, enjoy my chat with uh, Greta and Camilla, taped at Getter Contemporary in Copenhagen. Shout out to Sofus. Vinyl, terror, and horror, y'all. So it is a city not like Copenhagen, I guess you could say. Well, I, I don't know. That's well, I mean, Copenhagen's up and coming, but it's just so much smaller. 
in that sense. Yeah, yeah but there's so it's so big and spread out. Yeah. yeah, but there's a lot more scenes. I think. Oh, mm-hmm. in Berlin isn't there a lot more like sub genres of everything? Right, right, right. And there you just like plug into one or two or three. And right. I guess in Copenhagen there's not that much of. I mean, you have the scenes, but they are more. It's more connected, I would say. And considering everybody comes out of the same educational system, more or less. Yeah, yeah. There's the Royal Academy. A couple of people go to school in Germany. A lot of people go to uh, Scotland. Yeah. But in a way, that's nice also because sometimes Berlin, the scene is so big that it's a little bit <laughs> overwhelming. You don't really. Right. Well, that's what I've thought too. Like, if I tried to start this program, if we tried to start this program in. Um, in New York or Berlin or something it would be really hard just to get people's attention you know like you can't just call people up like here you can actually just call people and say hey you know are you interested you know I I got a hold of you guys on Vimeo of all places yeah but still I mean we went to Berlin with this idea of uh, we just want to go and start a project a bar and then we meet somebody from Berlin saying hey aren't you a bit you know like he used the term blue eyed as in naive oh, to naive, go there yeah. and, and think this I mean I would probably think this if people when I was living in Copenhagen and people would just come with these ideas right. but it was still a city where this is uh, even though there's so much of things going on it was still a city where you could go and do this and people would come or you would get like kind of a you know it's it's like a large scene I mean there's a lot of artists right, lot of and, and the kind of attention I don't know it depends on what kind of attention you want but right. if it's if for us at that time it was an in, uh, intention that was guided towards the energy we put in the energy they gave you know it was right. kind of we had we were supported you know as uh, right and this was what we Made, made that possible you know it's like low very low but you just do things because you think it's fun right and this For is no a different reason yeah but and then you meet people in this kind of exchange uh, like uh, you exchange other things uh, in this and it was all very very crazy it was like a really fun time uh, as well and do you guys uh, speak German yes yeah. with a lot of mistakes as well yeah but, I mean, did you, you guys are educated here in Denmark? Yeah. Did you go to your academy? Yeah. Yeah. In Copenhagen. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah I mean, I guess because I, I found you guys via this exhibition. I'd heard about the show you had last year at Gammon Holtigal. And, but it wasn't until I came here that I actually saw it. And I was like, i got to get a hold of these people. But do you guys have, like, an origin story? Is there, like, you know, because your name is so... <laughs> You know, vinyl terror and horror. It's so big. It's such a big name, and it, it, it encompasses a lot. So it seems like you're the, like a superhero group almost, or something. Like the terror and horror. That you mean too, that's like, or the well, just the whole thing. The whole name. It's it's bombastic, as we say. Uh, oh, yes, I guess it is. It's so also a bit silly, or I mean, I mean, not not necessarily, but it can be. Like like I said, I imagine like a comic book or like a superhero yeah, group or something. Yeah, okay, we have ups and downs with this name sometimes. <laughs> uh, but it's, I mean, it's a name that describes very precisely what we do in, yeah. in, in like some parts of our practice. We also sometimes 
not work with like vinyls or record players right. but we cannot I mean the name is kind of stuck uh, mm. so even though it's something different it's the name is there and then if you don't know us you might question our uh, but in a, in a situation like this at this exhibition you would it makes sense mm. you know or if you hear our concerts it makes perfect sense why we call Final Terror and Horror it's like mm. Uh, well, I like the name, and it's also okay. different, you know, because art groups ha- tend yeah. to have these names, which are very art groupy names, you know, uh-huh. and so it's it, it does exist in that weird space between music, concerts, installations, mm-hmm. sound art. But I mean, you guys started as artists; you went to the art academy. But the name actually started as um, as a band name because we got the name when we started performing live concerts, and we needed a band name, and then because it's a bit. We don't separate so strongly, so the band name is also the name for the for everything because the, it's kind of always linked to each other. Like sometimes the installations and the concerts and the record players, of course, are also sculpture, right. sculptures and the sounds. So, but it was also in a time where our pract- we we did we had trucks and we were driving around with those and we had installations and the concert was very much in a you know it was kind of uh, we uh, of course we worked with these things but we we had a different frame around them which was I mean this name it yeah. was there was no separation so much it was like a kind of chaotic yeah. everything you know then there was an installation then we would perform on it then other People, I mean, then it's not called Vinyl Terran Hall. We, when we were performing, we were called this, but it was everything was like uh, much more like, like uh, mixed mm-hmm. together. When now we say we play concerts and then we play them somewhere else, we make sound installations. They have a problem of doing that actually, it's cheap shit. Are we already recording? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I just start. No, it's much. good. It's yeah. more like laid back. Yeah. And, uh, but, um, right, so you guys played concerts and, but I mean, where, where did, you're going to art school and so art school is a very, um, you know, art school has advantages and disadvantages, but I feel like it's a space which gives you some freedom to find a voice, but often can be very oppressive in a way too. Do you guys know what I mean? Like, it can be... I, 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 of course, didn't go to the academy here, but, like, it can be theoretically oppressive. There's trends, and, you know, there's groups of teachers who believe one thing, and, you know, did you guys really develop into vinyl, tear, and horror at school, or was it after mm, school? Yeah, the art academy here is very free. Hmm. Actually, I think it's a different system than in many other countries, that actually, as soon as you are in the school. Of course, there are some classes and courses you have to follow, mm-hmm. but a lot of the time you just have uh, time to develop your own project, and I felt also that there was a lot of the teachers and professors who are actually supporting in this direction. Maybe when we started, there wasn't really other people so much focus on sound art, but as we started also, there were some of the teachers trying to Give us something in that direction and help us. Right, new with media, etc. Mm. So. Yeah, 
Did you guys get into the school individually as sound artists? No. We, uh, we applied with sculpture, both mm. of us, and then we met. Mm. At, uh, I mean, when you start the academy, you are one group. Right. For two years. At, um, right, I mean, then after two years you go you into separate select, departments. Uh, yes, but of course you, you have... I mean, there is also a, a person connected to people who work with like sculpture. I mean, everything is... You, can, you don't have to use this person, but it's... I mean, it is... You're divided, uh, but you're, it's open to, to flip-flop a bit mm. around... Uh, Did you guys go through the sculpture program then? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, this was actually also where I felt it made the most sense. We, we've been like, like changing school a bit uh, uh, inside, but where I felt it made the most sense for me was at the Billedhugger School, mm-hmm. the sculpture mm-hmm. department. The sculpture. At the, because basically for me, this is like a, a traditional sculpturing, you know, mm-hmm. what we, what, I mean, this is also my interest, and this is where it, like, uh, starts uh, or what I connect to. Yeah, um, well, there's definitely a very well. big 3D element to it, and and, and then very materialistic right, element to it. Right. As as this is the approach to the sound as well. You know, everything is uh, is based on on form and like contextuality. You know, mm-hmm. things you can grab and manipulate physically. I mean, we we of course work with stuff in the computer as well when we. Uh, create um, like the compositions that go with these uh, installations, for example. I mean, mm-hmm. there's other, other other processes, but this is. I mean, there we are like reflecting it towards like a, a space or a, an object or a situation. So it's it's very like physical in a sense still. Right. So this is. Uh, Right, I, that's actually very interesting you say that because it's true, your guys, is, the sounds in your installations <coughs> and sculptures are very textual mm. and, and tactile and, 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 and round, I mm. almost want to say, you know. Mm. Um, but I heard actually from, uh, from the guy I went to the opening with that you guys did drive around in a bus and uh, were based, were you guys making work out of this bus or what was the... We had a project at one time where we each had a truck and then we made like a tent where you could park the trucks and then you could make out of that in sound installations inside the tent or just out from the trucks as an idea of creating spaces, mm-hmm. your own spaces around where you are not in that time, we are not so in the art institutional scene, we are more a bit in the creating spaces around where you could do what you want, especially in that time the things were also a bit more wild where we could invite other artists to take part. We didn't have to follow opening hours of a gallery or this where there would be concerts in the night and we would be living there in the same time and Mm. exhibitions during the day. So, When did you guys go to Berlin? Was it... uh 2003, four. Yeah. There was this change of year. Yeah. Is that basically right after you got done with the academy, or did no, you No, we live had. Here uh, I mean, we had the first two years in Copenhagen, then mm. an exchange year to Berlin, where we made this project 
Oh, as part of the school? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Not the truck project. But no, no, the, this was afterwards, was but it after. maybe started there yeah, a bit. Yeah. I got my truck in this time. Yeah. And you matter. had another and got, yeah. yeah. And then we came back to finish the academy here, and then we moved to Berlin in 2008. Did you guys feel like there wasn't space for what you guys were interested in in Copenhagen? Uh, no. I think there's space for this, but there was maybe uh, more... Um, it just felt kind of natural to do this. In, I mean... It fit better somehow. Well, it does fit very well to the also idea of Berlin you have on how people, maybe the aesthetics of it. I don't know, maybe it does. But I also think also when we worked at the Art Academy, we when we met and decided to work together and we uh, we started with a, like a... It was very uh, full of like ideas and energy and we just there became this little bubble mm-hmm. that was just going on with this you know, like full on, uh, and uh, um, what was it that I wanted to say with this? Yeah, that we didn't care so much about the role of, of course you think about these things, you know, if it's like contemporary or if it's, you know, right or wrong, we still think, but we do have this kind of uh, language that's based on, it's very honest, uh, we're not trying anything else than what we are actually capable of doing, mm-hmm. and this is, and then if it fits or not has not um, been such a big uh, uh, issue. Actually, I felt at that time finishing. You could feel that many of your colleagues or that you studied with, they started to have a lot of success selling things in the gallery, and in that time. I think the art scene was also... That was the boom years, right? That's yeah, really it was a bit different that. because there, you suddenly you felt like all the, your friends, not all, but many of them, if they had success with their art, it was in the galleries. And mm-hmm. in our art in that time was not so fit for galleries as this is our first gallery show ever. Mm-hmm. And that, so now it fits better, but in that time also you felt, okay... The art scene here, I felt that it didn't fit so well into how it looked at that time. But since then, I would say most of our exhibitions have anyway been here in Denmark. So Mm. it has proven to still fit. Yeah, Yeah. but it didn't change any. I mean, we didn't, you know, like... uh, Yeah. We stood, I mean, it didn't have any influence on... On the practice itself. Yes, but of course it's, it, it felt like this. It's true. Well, it's also um, a question of like how much time you have to struggle to, to afford time and space to make what you want to make. You know, because mm. somehow you need to get some money in just to make things work. Yes. You know, and you can cut a lot of corners, but there has to be some sort of minimum something you know and then there's two models kind of essentially that is the the gallery model selling work or the exhibition model where you get paid to make exhibitions Mm. and you don't sell work Mm. but yeah luckily in Denmark there's also this quite nice uh, kind of support system of um, working stipendiums Mm -hmm. it's incredible yeah it's really wild and that's okay if you live in Germany to, to get support from the Danish government and everything yeah, but you have to be active in, uh, like, as a Danish artist, also in Denmark. I mean, uh, okay, yeah. you can't just be only exhibiting in Germany. 
Well, I don't know actually, but I think I mean you have to be visible. That makes sense. Uh, they want uh, somehow to know. And that we you're do really have most of our actually exhibitions in Denmark. Mm. Still, we would love to also try to get a, um, like more shows in in Germany. Slowly, it's starting to happen, mm. but uh, we've been. Uh, yeah, you, the network we have from the time at the Art Academy, we've been connected to very much. Still, that's the uh, thing about networks. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's such it's such a crazy thing how important that is. Uh, not in terms of your own work, but in terms of just getting opportunities to show that work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, when you move, I guess you guys moved to Germany around the same time I moved to Denmark. Yeah, you know, and it so. takes five years just to begin to get a feeling about where and who and what and you know mm-hmm. how you're supposed to talk to people and you know the whole thing is is actually very weirdly political and mm-hmm. I don't know if it, if it's anything like here I imagine I imagine a place like Berlin I mean because there should be more opportunities for exhibition but there's also more people trying to get those exhibitions right I mean. Actually, also, we haven't been so much trying to get them because yeah, the as we have been quite uh, just uh, until now dealing with the, if we had one exhibition, then focusing on making work for that one and then not going around searching so much new exhibitions, mm-hmm. just kind of working on the ones that was already offered to us. And then, yeah, now with... I feel with the, because we play a lot of concerts also in the music scene it's it's much easier to it's much more fluently and you can it's much easier to get invited to a concert or around in many different countries where exhibitions is a different hmm. so tell me what is a what is a vinyl tear and, and horror concert like it's um is it a DJ set in theory, or no, is it... No, it's, it's not a word we use. <laughs> <laughs> but nothing against the DJing at all, but uh, um, we have each our setup that we have prepared, you know, like uh, basically just uh, vinyl like record players that that's manipulated and, mm-hmm. and uh, changed, and then we have some records, each of us, that we have prepared... You know, like and cuts, right, not like cut ups, but but like with samples and stuff. And then we have a lot of cut up records, and everything is, um, yeah, that's like the material we use. And then we work also very narrative. With uh, we play maybe like twenty five minutes, and we kind of agree on a structure that's. Uh, um, Pretty close to maybe what you hear here, mm-hmm. but because it's a, a live situation and it's like improvised as well, it's a, it's a different, whole different kind of energy connected to it. Plus, you know, you have a more direct uh, response, or you have like a, a room of, of you know, somewhere, and uh, yeah, that right. There's a crowd you have to deal there's with. There's a crowd, but there's also a situation that's like now. Um, right, right, right. That uh, that uh, you naturally respond to. So it's I mean it's a mix between like, really weird record sounds and uh, horror sounds. It's not a dance party, I assume. Well, mm. people. 
have been dancing. <laughs> yeah. Well, but no, that's it isn't. quite on mm. quite where it's more like yeah, you you listen. Right, it's a performance for, in yeah. a way. Yeah, yeah, it's like half hour performance mm. and then. So what is it about vinyl that that really attracts you guys as a material? Why not cassette tapes or well, it was for a time we did work with cassette tapes, but uh, but why specifically vinyl? <clears throat> Well, it's so much easier to manipulate because uh, there are no print boards, or there are in some record player print boards, but the, the record player is so simple, it's just like a spinning right, an electric motor vinyl, or a belt. and then you can put the needles on top, and then you can change the speed, and the vinyls you can also find very... It's kind of you have the whole timeline in front of you with tapes. You you only have kind of the place you are running. So here you can play it in many places in the same time if you want or right manipulate it in more ways. Yeah, and it's not fragile. You can. It's not easy. A tape can also quite easily break, or mm. a record if it breaks, it's still playable. Mm. And what about terror? What does that have to do with well, it? Well, maybe that, that it's yeah. like terrorizing the material. I mean, ah, it's, uh, in that sense. Well, maybe. Well, yes. I would say uh, yes. I mean, it's not. It's, it's not a political, like reference. Right. It's like connected to the, to the act itself. It is to destroy something and make something new and uh, hopefully better. Mm. In this sense, we are talking about the project now. Um, uh, yes, I mean the name. Did we mention this? Was it was on a flyer? We were sitting as Greta and Camilla in our place in Berlin. Was going to play a concert, and the description on the flyer was, "This is vinyl terror." And then we were looking for a name at this time, and then we added the horror. At that time, we didn't work so much with horror sounds either. We just were two people, you know, like we thought, okay, we should have like two. Right. right? And then that's how it started. But of course, we can talk more interesting about it now. I mean, there's a lot of other levels uh, to it, which might be more also interesting to hear, but I don't know. It's. Uh, well, what are those levels? I mean, because the name is obviously stuck around. It's a good, it's a good beginning, but. It, it has more meaning then. Yeah, too. but I like to keep it close to the project itself, and yeah. like it's stuck there. You know, we don't like loosen it from. You know, the, for example, the act of you know really when you say manipulating it, it means also we are like with like a um, like an electric saw, like, right, like you're destroying really it. We're like things. literally, they really like fucking it up. You know, cutting, breaking, gluing. You know. Um, um, and that's uh, that's what it's referring to. If uh, if something, and the horror part is also the the kind of atmosphere we often have, mm-hmm. um, and the vinyl terror and horror also the kind of maybe uh, a bit silly uh, it can be, yeah. sound to it. Maybe we 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 also have this in. In the installation, it's not as silly, but it's like you, you puncture the, the drama or the, the the horror. We work very much with cliches. I mean, it's often... I mean, right, the screaming woman's voice. Yeah, but you have that. them, you know, the squeaking doors, yeah, the, yeah. the steps 
in an empty room, the windows, the the sun. You know, you have like very basic things that's so obvious. But if you like, it's on the border always of uh, um, between being extremely like heavy and dark, but also very funny and uh, silly, or very you know like uh, there's also a lot of material decisions in this, you know, that works on a visual level where you think, okay, this looks like this because of this, or that's a, also the record as just a geometric form, the circle mm-hmm. love, the circle and the potential in this as a, yeah, as a shape and what you can do with this, and then there's a sound connected to it that's taken just as serious as, you know, the producing of the object, then the sound, it might be a like a horrible sound, but it's connected to the to this to, to the material in a way that that it, you accept it, mm-hmm. uh, um, the horror of it, uh, um, right. without questioning the the aesthetics of the sound. Or you, it's it's physical in this sense. Right, it's all connected in that way. Yeah, I think. Well. Do you guys have any sort of like? I hate this word, but any sort of like theoretical thing you think about when you do this, or any sort of um, art history base, or like is do you have any sort of like basis you work from aside from your own interest in the materials and the the process? I mean, because as being going to art school involves also hearing about a lot of art, talking about a lot of art, you know. I think it's not the starting point. I think we always develop actually thinking from how sometimes to translate to another medium, like this project, how would it look in another shape? Or like if you have to do a... this, You get a lot of challenges because if you have to do like sometimes a permanent exhibition in the in a staircase, for instance, how do you could you use some of the things you are interested in working in, translating it to that, or some of the f- things like if you have to do an outdoor exhibition for a while, then it's kind of like hmm, trying to to change some of the ideas we are interested in into another format, and this is I think we don't have so many kind of theoretical. Points. It's just a lot of the time. It's just based on. Of course, we we both have kind of ideas, and we speak about them on not on everyday basis. But if we have to do a project, then of course we speak about the ideas, and then one idea comes, and another ideas, and then they somehow form into something together. Mm. Well, I mean, it seems like you guys are having a lot of fun. Mm. Yeah. And I hope you are, because I can feel that mm. as a viewer of this. Like, it's infectious, the fun. And I think that's one of the things that really grabs me is this, like, oh my God, that's awesome. You take apart this machine and you raise the platform for playing the record a meter in the air, and then the speaker mm. head falls out onto a pillow, and like all this. It mm. seems like you're playing. I mean, it's a very serious play in a way. Yeah. But. but also the word fun maybe is just uh, translated to we get an idea and we just do it immediately without, mm. like, uh, we don't need to, to justify it. Right. First, in a sense, where it's like, is this, 
You know, we'll find out later if it's good or bad. But you know, we we are reacting directly on an impulse is is very. It's maybe what you call fun, but I don't. I still call it very serious. Mm-hmm. But it's reflected in maybe this playfulness that these questions they come later right. in the process because we are very aware of of what it is that we do. Also, if it starts there, but uh, if it doesn't start there, we don't do it. That's the thing, you know. We don't, um, um, and that's uh, 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 the energy. Of it, or, or the intelligence in it, is also not sometimes up to us to kind of uh, uh, formulate. I mean, I know this is our job as well. It should be. No, I'm going on deep water now. I feel. <laughs> but do you understand a little bit? I do. What it, I do, and I think what, what you know, it's not fun. It's impulsiveness. There's some sort of like but personal. It, I mean, you can say fun if you want, but for me, it, it's. I think that's what you mean when you say this. Uh, mm-hmm. the, this energy, you you feel that in order to make a project, and why do you what, what when you have an idea? And to get this idea out of your hands or out in the world, what is what is the uh, what do you need in order to make this step? Because it's a it's a, it's a step, you know. Do you need to reference it to like a theory or other artist or history or whatever you ask about, or is it enough that you just want to do it? Um, and and I think for us, the first step is really not why, but how and then uh, afterwards of course we have to sit and talk about it as well and we also do talk a lot about it and this is when we we are too in this process of where where the ideas are very fragile or they are very like um, private as well but we communicate about them when you are like working alone maybe you are not open about this this time in your process where you are like vulnerable or where you are like open also for changes mm-hmm. you, you, uh, and because we have a like I mean sometimes we also sit and just at our, each our desk and do our thing and then we come with a finished thing and put it together but then the the talk is there in this putting it together and what it means then you know the 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 it has different like levels this like process you know you do something and then you have to create like an installation that works also publicly and then there's a lot of like dialogue mm-hmm. with us uh, in between and a lot of changes and a lot of like oh no oh yes and what do you mean by private when you talk about the process being private? no but I'm not and now I'm talking you know like alone no, but uh, what I mean, okay, this is uh, what I mean is just when you have an idea that's very new or you don't mm. even know if it's good or not. I mean, I could imagine that most people, artists, don't like uh, are not so open with these before. It's like more shaped, mm-hmm. and being too in a process where you maybe develop a, a work together, you have already like somebody to share this or like work with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, to bounce the idea up against uh, in this level, in this state of of the idea, mm. the and also to do, to develop the idea because sometimes if you are not working together, maybe if other people would give you suggestions on how to develop the idea, maybe you would you would think no, it's my idea. But if you are working together, 
then it's still then you you leave the space to say ah okay but then you can then you develop the some of the ideas together. Yeah, I mean that's one of the amazing things. I guess it's so important to be able to to bounce ideas. You know, I can spend six months realizing something's a bad idea, mm. or two days if someone I trust goes, "This isn't working for that reason, that reason, that mm. reason." You know, that can be really important that that play with each other. You mm. know, I assume it's also really hard sometimes too. Yeah, but you also, I mean, I think a reason why this also works is because. If we would always sit and with every decision made, we would have to talk about it first. It would be uh, that we can also, you know, all these things you see the, here. I mean, some of them Camilla made, some of them I made. Camilla had an idea, she made it. I didn't, you know, question it or I just, you know, and so I had an idea and I made it. And then in the end, this is where the collaboration then starts, of course. It fits together and we work it into like a, a situation where the piece is all these things together. It's not this single piece or that single piece. It's the things together and that we have a time also where we don't have to you know, talk or right. you know, that we can just go alone to the studio, do some things, go home. and then. But there is some times where we develop a piece together from the beginning and then it's a different... Um, uh, yeah, there's a, a lot of dialogue. Process, yeah. Uh, um, well, let's talk about this piece here, because this whole exhibition is basically one piece, right? Yeah. There's some pieces on the walls, some, some, some I don't want to say two-dimensional, but some wall-hanging art, and then there's the main installation. Uh, what's the name of the show? And what does that mean? It means uh, dance again. Dance one more time. Okay. I think something like that. It's yeah. a, it's came from, it comes from a German... Uh, record cover hanging over there that's actually the it became the title of the show because it's the very optimistic break with this record player spinning around in two places this the one with the little rotating record inside mm-hmm. of the yeah. other record yeah yeah I like that <laughs> um how do you guys, I mean, do you guys start building these, these things and then you start talking about what's a show going to be called, how's it going to hang together, or do you, I mean, like, wait, you know, how does the name and the idea for the entire piece come around? The name is often kind of the last things because we work from, diff- we kind of work from different angles of it. We have the idea of, of some of the sculptures we want to make and what is going to be the main yeah and this was of course a way to present many different sculptures inside the composition where mm-hmm. they each have each their role in the composition so the title came towards the end what was the other question yeah just I mean like how you guys build these how, how the show comes together in that sense you know whether these machines are built beforehand or because yeah. you know, basically you have individual sculptures in a way. You've got different record players you've manipulated. You've yeah. got the speaker over here, which you know expands and collapses, and the one over there in which the uh, the actual woofer falls out or the tweeter. Mm-hmm. You know, are these all things you guys are kind of constantly working on and then discuss tying mm-hmm. together? Well, yeah, some of them make, like for instance, the one falling out existed 
before, but was modified for this and with a different sound. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, when we start speaking about the show, we go to, we have some pictures of how is the room and what is the idea. And this can change many times throughout the process of working with it. But especially for this show was for us the the curtains uh, was a big that they close in the beginning because and the open. gallery have these huge windows to to the street and we like to work a lot with kind of sound and light mm -hmm. to create kind of a different atmosphere and that the curtain is this kind of okay now you 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 kind of close to the world outside and create a different kind of situation inside so that in one well the original idea was of course you come in and you see all these sculptures just standing around as individual sculptures and then as soon as the curtain closes and the light is changing you have this situation where suddenly they all perform it's their little role in a composition that right, you create a closed space in which the piece comes alive in, in a way Yeah, where it completely changes character with the different... Then it becomes kind of this very... You have this small sound of like... You have the torchlight moving around, like suddenly you can create a little bit this... This scene of like a little bit... Right, this immersion into it in a way. What about the actual individual wall works? Are those, well, I mean, I know when you guys make those, um, they're kind of, in a way, the piece that your average art buyer could purchase and take home with them and hang on the wall, put in a frame, you know? Yeah, but there's maybe practically the reason why they're hanging. Well, yeah. I think not, not just why they're hanging, but when you make these works, uh, are they like an, I don't want to say an afterthought, but no. I, they, do they, what role do they play with the installation? Well, the role they play with the installation is that they happen along with, we decide, also with the sculpture we decide. But this came, it was setting up here, we decided to bring those as well. Mm. Also because when you work with sound installations, there is a time where there's no sound, right. you know, And is also, this is also like a, I mean, an issue in our work. Like, how do you, what do you do with this time? Where there's, when is the piece starting? When is it stopping? When it, because it has like a, a reality also when the sound is not there to kind of make sense mm -hmm. or connect everything, mm -hmm. you know. And then these are very visual and they are very, you know, like. Everything is uh, there. You know, you have the record. Okay, you don't listen or you don't hear it, but the music—the music in it—is kind of present mm -hmm. as uh, as an you know as as an object with recorded music on it, and then the manipulation of it, which is connected very much to the to the covers that's chosen, and and then uh, um, and this is records made actually for the. Uh, for the live performances, and then you know, there's a, mm. a big like a production going on of this, you know, uh, and then some of them doesn't work so well musically, but they work very well like visually, and mm. you know, so they're selected also a bit. So uh, it's all connected in that way. Yeah, but it is all connected, but it's not directly connected to this. 
piece, but it's connected in like method and aesthetic, and you know that they are made along. Right, to what you guys do, mm. uh, and maybe link a bit to our, you know, like performances as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Do you guys, when you every time you set it up, how much does it change? Like I know, for example, this exhibition is going to go to Sweden uh, in the summer. It's going to be exhibited in Gothenburg. Yeah. How much is it going to change when it gets set up there? Mm, I would say not so much because uh, depending on just the difference of the room and of course here you have of course the, the size of the room mm. is different and here you have the big window so we have to find out how does right, the room look physical, there. physical, practical. But the, the art piece, like the composition and the sculptures will stay how they are so it's just a matter of the installation of the thing what fits what's look mm-hmm. what looks better in these other rooms but the sound compilation the count the composition will be the same and you know. yeah it's going to be be the same it's mm. kind of now it's a finished piece mm. what happens to it afterwards if uh, mm. if it doesn't have another space to be shown in kind of immediately well, then it would just sit in some boxes waiting for another... So you do save them? Yeah, but yeah. this is uh, also very new for us, actually. Mm-hmm. But we do save... This is a, a finished piece, like Camilla said. Right. And now we're going to keep it like this because before we would have an installation, then we would like morph it into something right, new. Right, take and then, pieces over Yeah, yeah, the so it was, we never really had like a piece. Now we can refer to a few pieces that we have and say well, we have... You know, that's a finished piece, that's a finished piece, and then it's the challenge is just when we have the stuff in the studio not to kind of take stuff from there. If you need right. like a, a audio cable, you kind of leave it uh, in this box. So right, you have to uh, lock those boxes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is uh, next. But it's, it actually feels quite good now to have these um, uh, pieces, and then when we start again, we will start on a new place. Right. This exhibition also rooms some like older works that we put into this context because we liked the one mm-hmm. the works but they didn't really find their place and now they have a place here and we okay they're mm-hmm. here no, now they- they're connected to this and then we will leave them and if we're going to use something similar in another we'll build it new we will not take the one i think this is like a new uh, way of uh, uh, yeah and oh, it's nice. al- yeah also because of course sofas is uh, since it's the first time he's exhibited in the gallery, he is kind of working for this installation, I guess, as well. To, right, to his job it. is to help get it out into the world. And, and finally, also his interest is, of course, to get it sold. So sure. if we would take it back to the studio and start to rebuild it, it would suddenly be another Right, it situation. should remain available for sale then, right? Right, of course. How did you guys start working with Sophos? How did, it, how did this happen? He asked us. He just contacted you guys? Yeah. And then we said yes. That's such a dream, huh? Apparently, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, someone just asks for it. Yeah, but, but I, mean, I mean, we've been, uh, like, it's the first time at gallery, and this, uh, we had the feeling that galleries had the, what is Berührungsangst uh, yeah. in oh, English? Yeah. You know, oh, they, yeah. were, they were a bit afraid of touching us in terms of these things that we're just talking about. Right, you know, well, I mean, like they, economy they're probably afraid that they the, can sell yeah. the work. So, and we kind of also respect this very much and we like I mean we of course we also 
to be able to work together and have the same ideas and I feel that we do and mm. and uh, that it's uh, we'll see how how this continues but it's uh, um, yeah were you guys concerned at all about jumping over into the more commercial context of art uh, presentation no actually it gave some new ideas I think yeah. in the process it's like wow okay we're ready now in, the, in a way where we're not going to compromise but we see possibilities you know and this is where it's important you know that you because here we just uh, it's a little bit in the line that we've been doing, working with for mm. the last few years but now it would be super interesting for us also to work more like uh, like separate that it's not always a narrative but it's maybe more like a, a thing in itself an individual work, work or something like yeah, that yeah I mean we see the potential in this yeah. way of looking at our work now and we'll, and this is also something this opportunity has uh, like uh, given a bit of fire to uh, mm. otherwise it would maybe so it's grabbing it and, and, and then you know getting a bit right navigating uh, like a new uh, I mean uh, because this potential has been there always, but we didn't focus there. But now it would be fun. Mm. Now I use the word. Yeah. Fun mm. to do. And it's mm. nice to have also, you feel suddenly you don't have to do all the networking yourself. Then you <laughs> that's, the, that's the, yeah, that's the nice thing about that mm. context is someone yeah. else is really... Someone else is helping you to, to promote your work. And right. Well, I think it's a very successful show, and I think it works very well in this context, too. I don't feel like there's any sort of inherent conflict mm. with mm. the space and the context with, or the piece. You know, It makes just as much sense here as it would in an art hall somewhere or mm. an artist-driven mm. space or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and it's a, it's a good space, too, you can say. Mm. Cool. All right, well, thank you guys so much for coming on the program. I really appreciate it. Well, yes, thank, thank you. you for having us. Absolutely. Yes, thank you for listening to this episode of the Undergang Armchair. Intro and outro music kindly provided by Johnny Ripper, and today's interstitial music provided by Saberlike. You can find links to their music and all other things Undergang related, such as our apps on our instupituous website, undergang.net. This show is produced in part with the kind support of the Danish Arts Council. Thank you for joining us. (laughs) 